You are listening to the latest message from Bar None Cowboy Ministries in Omaha, Texas, where we don't care about your past, but care about your future. We thank you for joining us as we look into God's Word with Pastor Dwayne Higgins. This building. Tony, keep a count. Make sure we get that many out the road, too. You know, we don't want any leftovers. Yeah, if you brought them, you take them home with you. I tell you what, I'm proud of this church and the parents that bring their children to grow them in the Word because their world is going to be worse than our world if we make it that far. You think how much it's changed in your lifetime. I know in my lifetime and it's been such a dramatic change from at least in this area with honesty and Things. I mean, we used to, I grew up, you didn't lock your doors. You drove uptown, you left the key in the vehicle, got out, went, you did whatever. Everybody knew one another, and we had a few, a little bit of thieving and stuff like that. That's just always been there. But overall, it was a safe, wonderful place to grow up. And, um, and now, you're scared to death, even here in Morris County, to let your kids play out in the front yard. Um, but the church is the place they can come, find safety, and learn about the God who's going to watch over them. That, and that's the good part about it. All right, we're going to be in the, the second, uh, or First John, uh, chapter two. And I'm going to read three verses and then Caleb's going to put verse 18 up and we're going to start preaching there. But listen first to these three verses that John writes. It says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Okay, kind of go ahead and put verse 18 up, because we're going to be talking about the Antichrist and the various things here. And stuff. But the world is not our home. If you're a born-again believer, it's where we're here for a temporary time and stuff, but it's not what life is all about. And I know with young people, that's what the world teaches y'all and, you know, get all this and uh, the world has so much to offer. Most of what the world has to offer is bad. What Jesus has to offer is good. And to live in this world like we are right now, then we need all of Jesus we can to get the good part out of it, enjoy the beauty, because he's not talking about the world is ugly. He's talking about the world of mankind and what they do and what they're after. And that's why it's so hard for us as believers to understand 
because we don't understand what's motivating these individuals. We don't understand the mindset of a junior high kid that would cause him to pull a gun on something because of a word he's saying. First of all, I can tell you on mine and mine, you talk about us eating fried chicken, we get happy. <laughs> that's, that's good. That was high on our list when we were working to get fried chicken was a good thing. But, but there again, somebody has taught these kids it's a bad thing and it's a racial I don't know where it came from because growing up here in northeast Texas my whole life, everybody ate fried chicken at some time in their life. And there was no racial motivation to it. But he has been taught that there is because somebody wanted him to believe that that was a racial statement. Colonel Sanders would not have made it in business if it had been a, a, a racial deal. But he made a kingdom out of selling fried chicken. But the world is always filling people full of this stuff and it's being promoted all around us. But we're not to be in love with this world. We're supposed to be focused on something different. And I talk about the Antichrist because we're going to see John mention this. And a lot of people believe that Antichrist is mentioned in Revelation. But I'm here to tell you, the word Antichrist is not found in the book of Revelation at all. The reference to the, in chapter 13 is to the beast that comes and rises up. The word Antichrist is not mentioned except right here. A man of lawlessness is mentioned in some scriptures, but the Antichrist is found right here. And so what John begins to speak into him, he's because first of all, he references them as children in verse 18, which tells us the recipients of this letter were very dear to him, people that he knew personally, that he had mentored, discipled, and, and spent a lot of time with, and so he's referring to them as children. This is, there again, this is not a derogatory statement. This is a statement about family and that, uh, a reference. And so children should not be seen that as him tearing them down or saying they're immature, but they are growing and they're special to him. And those of us who've pastored churches and done that, we do tend to see our congregation as our children, as our family, even though some of them are older. Otis is uh, old enough to be my, my dad and stuff, but I still see him as one of my children because he's my spiritual child as we, we grow into this. So, so what John is bringing up here is the children, it is the last hour. Now John himself began to think that he was already living in the last days. And basically he was because the last days actually began when Jesus went into the grave. Because this is the final segment, basically, of, of, of what God's going to do in the world is, is that after salvation came through Jesus Christ, there's nothing left but a second coming and some cleansing. And he's going to get rid of a bunch of stuff. But he tells them in this last hour, this last day, just as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. 
What does this word antichrist mean? Anybody who stands against Jesus as the Christ child, the one who came, the promised one. In today, with everybody's focus on the book of Revelation, they, they begin to want to think of the Antichrist coming, one, one individual. Antichrist had been around ever since Jesus. Because there are those that rise up within the world to try to take away or deceive you or any other believer from accepting Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the promised one of God. And anyone that would preach anything other than Jesus as the only begotten Son, God in the flesh, part of the Trinity, is an Antichrist. And you need to understand that, folks. Because a lot of people like to sell you a bill of goods and it looks good. And it sounds good because there are some slick talkers out there. Many of them are in our churches. Some of them are in pulpits today in Baptist, Methodist, Church of Christ in various places preaching the Word, but it's not the truth of the Word. It's parts of it. And those are the ones you've got to watch. There's other denominations that mirror Christianity, but when you want to see what they really believe, look at what they do with Jesus Christ. They're very, they're, do you know that most Muslims are more religious than most Baptists? Yes. Oh, how dare you say that. Let me ask you this. Have you heard a, a, a speaker in a town go off five times a day calling you to prayer and people quit doing what they're doing and face a certain direction which would be facing toward Mecca and pray? You ain't seen many Baptist people do that. You can ring the bell all day long and a lot of them won't quit doing what they're doing even come to church. But Muslims will quit. A devout Muslim and lots of... They quit five times a day. Whatever they're doing, turn and face towards Mecca and pray. And, and folks, I've been over there in the Middle East and there are loudspeakers all over Israel. That you're here from hillside to hillside. It, in, in over around the Jerusalem area, what's called the West Bank, it blasts out everywhere calling them to prayer. The Jews just have to put up with it. But they're everywhere and they're all around us. They have been and they will be. And, and they're, they're appearing from now and they're still there and they're out to deceive you each and every day and you need to be aware of this and that's why you need to study the Word. You need to let God teach you the whole truth. You need to listen to preachers that preach the whole truth and you need to take it and put it in your heart because too many people want to hear bits and pieces of the gospel and find out what they agree with and take it and shun the rest of it. You can't. Either you take it all or you take none of it. So folks, you need to understand the Antichrist is all right with you being religious. He's all right with you going to church. He's all right with you getting baptized. He's all right with you giving money to the church. But he don't want you to be right with Jesus through the blood of Jesus. And he wants to try to take away from who Jesus Christ is. And I'm here to tell you, there is no one to be saved 
except through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no other way to salvation. And that's not my belief. That's the Word of God. And you need to understand it. And it also means that when we love Him and accept Him into our life, we begin to become like Him. Now that's, that's where folks don't like you. Oh, Jesus was perfect. I'll never be perfect. So I'm not even going to try. That's, that seems over real good. You'll never be perfect because you started out flawed. But it doesn't mean you're not supposed to try. How do you try? Well, let's see what John says here. Verse 19 says, They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have uh, remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they were not of us. There's been people come and go out of this year. I've had people get up in the middle of a service and walk out because they didn't like what I was preaching. You know, I don't like that. I hate to see anybody do that. But if they can't agree with what the Word says, then that's probably the best thing to do is go out. Because what I want for them and what would be best for them is to line up with this word and be, a, be in it and acknowledge it as truth and they should surrender their life to it. But John dealt with this same thing throughout his ministry and his life. Verse 20 said, But you have, a, a, have an anointing from the Holy One and you all know those who really get saved and, you, and how will you know them you begin to see drastic changes in their life immediately they won't be perfect they're going to slip up and say some things do some things but you're going to begin to see a change in their walk a change in their voice a change in the things they do every day you're going to see a change in the attitude how do you know this then I began to see people, and I didn't know this, but when I was working and I got saved, I began to have people come to me and ask me if I'd gotten saved. How'd you know? You changed. Attitude. Things you say, the things you do, the things you don't say begin to change. And I really didn't know how to take that at first, but now as I look back on it, well, that's the way it should have been. They should have seen that there was a difference in my life. And the ones that knew Jesus understood what it was all about. Some others just began to think I'd... My wife straightened me out. But to be truthful, she tried. It didn't work. But Jesus did. Verse 21, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because it there is no lie... Uh, because no lie is of the truth. What is the truth? The Word of God. All right, I want to stop here because a lot of people will want to believe this. Like, well, I'm of the New Testament. I'm a New Testament believer. I don't listen to the Old Testament. Do you know that at this time they were in the midst of writing the New Testament? Most of these books were not scattered around. They sure weren't canonized together. So when John's talking about the truth and the truth being in them, they've been growing in their faith through the Old Testament scriptures. 
because that's what they had. And they saw the fulfillment of Old Testament scriptures in Jesus Christ, and they were beginning to record and write down the things they were learning about that and how he fulfilled it. Now, we have the whole book. So for you to throw out part of the Bible and say we're no longer under that part, that's part of a, the lie. People will sit there and say, oh, well, I don't have to go by anything in the Old Testament. There's parts of it you don't have to. You're not under some of the, the law and all that. But yeah, it's good guidelines. It's a good way to understand who God is because the way you'll really know God is when you see how he acts with people. You also learn that people today act just like the Old Testament people. You'll find more about the character of God in the Old Testament than you do the New Testament. Because he lays out who he is, how he deals with people, and all the things we see him doing. So the truth is there, and it's the whole truth. It's the scriptures, the Old Testament and the New Testament. We could spend all day going into to all that about how we came about with the Bible today. But John was writing this letter. This letter was accepted by Polycarp and many of, uh, of the disciples who came along after and taught this. And they understood that, and that's why it was brought into the New Testament the way it is. And uh, so and he goes on, verse 20, and says, Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? So he explains what the Antichrist is. So the Antichrist is not only a man, but it's a belief. And that's what I'm here to, to want you to understand today. The Antichrist and the beast of the new, uh, book of Revelation does not have to be one individual. It will be led by one individual, but there's a movement going on in the world today that is the Antichrist. The beast is already being raised up today. It's not just Islam. But look at the hordes of people who are falling for these belief systems that are not Muslim. Because it's found in Hinduism, Buddhism, and humanism. Well, what's humanism? I hadn't heard much about that. That's where the people do not follow an organized religion, but they believe humans are the top of the chart. We're all that we can be. And you go out there and be whatever you want to be as a human. That's why we're dealing with so much of the junk we deal with today. It's not because of Hinduism or Buddhism or Muslim. It's because of humanism. Amen. The right that a human can be anything he wants to be and be okay with this higher power that's out there. Well, the higher power is the devil himself. See, Satan himself is higher than man. But why do you want to stop at the second best when we can go to the first and be with the best that gives us truth? All Satan's going to give them is a lie. But I heard this so much it makes me sick. Oh yeah, I believe in a higher power. <laughs> that don't mean much. Satan is a higher power. Why? He was an archangel. There were three archangels mentioned in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. It's three. Gabriel was one, Michael was one, and Lucifer was one. What is an archangel? He's in charge of a third of the angels. So three threes is a whole. 
Three threes is a whole. And Gabriel's in charge of a third. Gabriel's known as the messenger angel, the one who blows the trumpet and stuff. Michael's known as the archangel, a warrior angel. Lucifer was known as the angel of worship and led worship in heaven. And he and a third of the angels cast out because they tried to take the place of God and elevate themselves. But he is a higher power. And so when people say, oh, I believe in a higher power, you're going to need to ask them, which one? <laughs> See if they've got an answer. Well, you know, the man upstairs, which one? Put them on the spot. Make them explain themselves because I promise you they have no idea what they're talking about because they don't know the Word of God. They've got this form of religion that they believe in something out there. They just don't know what it is. Well, let me tell you. What's out there that they need to know is Jesus Christ. God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. But they need to know. So anyone who begins to take away from the deity of Christ, and this word deity means the Godhood of Christ, that he was not God-like, he was God himself. Because uh, the Mormons would teach you to be God-like, and that Jesus was just a God-like figure that was a man who became like God, and there was many gods, and he attained that, and you can too if you live righteous enough. Marry enough women, do enough good deeds, and you can become God-like. Now, that's not what the Word says. It said we are sinners separated from God. We're nothing like Him, but we're made righteousness through Him so we can be like Him because we were created in His image, but we're not God-like. We will never be a God. We'll be the beneficiaries of God, and we benefit from Him and all that He does, but we become like Him because He has paid the price for us. But you can't live a good enough life and stuff. So this Antichrist that John's talking about, and see the thing about it is John that wrote this wrote the book of Revelation too. So if he wanted it to mean just the Antichrist is coming there, why didn't he use the same terminology over there in Revelation 13? Why did he use the word beast? Because a beast didn't represent one man. It represented a movement, a type of government, religious movement or whatever. A beast was a, a conglomeration of everything. And it will be led by one or two or several leaders that, that will stand out. But it's a movement. But here he's referencing the individuals that are coming up to confront him and the believers right then. He said, these are antichrists. They're the ones that's trying to lead you astray because he was dealing with a group called the Gnostics who were within the, the, the local churches trying to lead people astray. So he's directing it right to the local body, not the church as a whole. But you and I need to understand there's unbelievers and antichrists trying to come into the church all the time. That's why I'm always looking. I want to welcome everybody but I'm not always happy everybody comes because I don't know what Satan's bringing through the door. Now, if they come and they want salvation and, and they want to learn and be uh, contributors to the church and move forward, then, then, man, I'm all for it. We're here to encourage you, lift you up. And stuff. You want to come up here and try to teach a lie or pull things astray, then I'm all right with well, you leaving too because you're proving where your heart is. 
The church doesn't have time to be a babysitter for everything. But the world today is telling the church, welcome everybody in just the way they are. Let them on in here and you become what they want is a good gathering place for any and all kinds of things. And you just let them in here. No, the Word of God says we're holy. We're to be holy, separate, not be hated by the world. You'll be hated by your own family because of your belief in Jesus Christ. The church is to be a lighthouse. It can't be a place of a flickering bunch of different lights that don't give off truth. It's got to be pure. It's got to be holy. It's got to be filled with people growing and moving forward. And when you preach the Word, folks, there's going to be people get mad and leave. I'm not happy about that, but I am because, I, and I've said this, and people don't always understand how, what I mean by it, I'd rather have a hundred solid folks growing in the Word than two hundred that are going wherever they want to. Because it's not about numbers. It's about discipleship and growing in faith and, and those being strengthened Jesus was way worse than I was about running people off. <laughs> he could gather thousands together. Caleb talked the other night about feeding 5,000 men plus all the women and children. It wasn't long. He couldn't get a good handful around to, to do He could have fed them with a piece of a slice of bread. He didn't need five loaves. He could run them off when he died. They were leaving him left and right. Right there, he couldn't even keep his twelve together. Day of Pentecost, there was only about one hundred and twenty gathered up in the upper room. Where were they, all the others that were out there? They didn't want no truth. They just wanted something given to them. They just wanted something free. They wanted some healing. They wanted some miracles done. They wanted to see the spectacle. They wanted to see the great debate between Jesus and the Pharisees and Sadducees. They wanted to see something. They wanted to be entertained. But what did the true disciples want? They wanted some education. They wanted to walk with God. They wanted to know God. That's what the church is all about. Folks, and when Antichrist come in here and they try to pull astray and say, man, I just don't believe what that preacher's saying up there. <clears throat> if it, you don't have to believe me, but point it out in the Scripture where I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, I'll tell you, okay, I made a mistake. But I've been reading on this book now for 42 years. I've, I've learned a lot. I've listened to a lot of preachers. I've studied a lot. I've prayed a lot. I'm not perfect, but I do know what some truth is. And I know what, when I look around in the world today, is what's a lie. And what's being led into churches today is a lie. I just found out this morning the shooting at, at, at Roscoe's church down there, uh, Osteen, was a transgender. I didn't know that either. <laughs> kind of like you... Can a transgender be saved? He can be, but you know what? He won't be a transgender anymore. He's going to be getting himself right. Can a homosexual be saved? Yeah, they can be saved. Can a murderer be saved? Yeah, but he won't go on committing a murder. Anybody can be saved, but they can't commit and go ahead and live that lifestyle. But see, churches are, are so after the, the numbers and being there. Oh, we just let all of you come on in here. 
Well, yeah, come on in here, but start getting your life right. And then, they're not, then a lot of them are not going to like what you're preaching. They're going, oh, oh, that's not politically correct. Well, I'm not accountable to the government. I'm accountable to my God. Amen. And I promise you, <clears throat> he's the one. And, and it, you see, I, back last year was a rough year on the church because we, we dealt with a lot of issues and various things in there and it weighs heavy on you. And, and, and there around Christmas time in the first year, I was really praying, maybe it's time for me to retire. Maybe I'm just getting too old to, to put up with all this and do all this. And, and, and it's what God said to Dwayne. I didn't, I didn't call you to enjoy it. I called you to preach the Word. He said, you're not too old to preach the Word. He said, quit worrying about all this drama that's in people's lives. Quit worrying about all these things people are saying and doing. He said, preach the Word. So I said, okay, one more time, you're right. My pity party's over. I just got to suck it up and do what he's called me to do. And I'm here to tell you, I'm not an antichrist. I'm a born-again believer that believes in Christ. And I'm going to preach him, and I'm going to preach the truth, because it's not whether we see anybody else get saved or not, it's whether do they know the truth or not then they make the decision, do they want to follow the truth or not follow it? I'm not accountable for that. And I, he gave me Noah as a reference. He said, Noah told them destruction's coming. They had an option to get on the ark before the door was closed. They chose not to. Same way here. I'm to preach the Word of God in its entirety as truth and not back down. It's up to them whether they choose to accept it or not. But when they accept it, I'm going to love on them and care for them and try to nurture them along. If they don't want to accept it as the whole truth, they don't like what I'm saying, then the same door that brought you in, the same road that brought you in is the road that will take you out. There will be some other church will take you. I don't want that, folks. It's not, that doesn't make me happy. But I'm not going to sacrifice the Word of God to make somebody happy. Because they, they'll never truly be happy. Because true happiness does not come because somebody caters to what you believe. True happiness comes when you believe what God believes. That's the only true happiness there. I'm the messenger. If you don't like the message, take it up with the one who wrote the book. But the Antichrist, they're all around us. Verse 23 Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, and the one who confesses the Son has the Father also. So when you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, you have been born again. Oh, I'm going to touch on a, another little old touchy subject. that I've seen a few Baptists ride this little old horse few times. Well, I made a decision when I was 14 and therefore I'm saved and I can do whatever I want to. That ain't right. That ain't right. A decision when you was 14, 15, 20, 30, or 40, a one-time decision does not mean you're saved. Jesus said, you'll be known by your fruit. You can call yourself a plum tree all day long, but if all you put out is persimmons, you're not a plum tree. All right? 
You can say, I got saved one day, and therefore I'm going to live my life the way I want, and I'm going to live just like I did before. Then that don't tell me anything about you except you've not been saved. Oh, preacher. He told me I'd know him by the fruit. And if I don't see some changes, I don't see something, okay, you're telling me a different story than what's coming out of your mouth. Because you should see something. Can a person fall away? Yeah, they sure can. But you know what? You'll see them always sad that they did and they're like the prodigal son. They want to come back. But when somebody continually does what they do with no conviction, no shame, no sorrow, it tells me the Holy Spirit's not living in them. If the Holy Spirit's not living in them, then they're not saved. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't just come on people that are special. He comes on people who are saved. And He comes to dwell in your heart. It's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He comes. Now, if you wanted to reference baptism, then that means when you totally surrender to Him, you let Him have control of your life, and you'll see that big drastic change. But the Holy Spirit's not withheld from anybody who's truly saved. The Spirit comes to dwell in your heart. Jesus promises that in John 16. The same John that wrote this, he wrote that. That the Comforter would come. This is what Jesus said. The Comforter would come that would lead us and guide us. Well, when you have been saved and you grow and you begin to drift away, that that Comforter becomes the uncomfortable. He's the thorn in your flesh. He's the one that's mm-hmm. probing you, saying, uh-huh. Think you're happy now? Where should you be? When you walk into a place and you know you're not supposed to be there, that guilt feeling kind of settles down on you. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. That's not your conscience, folks. It's called the Spirit of God. He's the one that moves you and changes you. Because when you truly get saved, He will come into your life and He will turn it upside down. But it's like an upside down cake. The good side is upside down. Upside down cake, for those of you who don't know, is just brown on top. The goodies down on the bottom. And then when you dump it out, what's on top? The good stuff. That's the way it happens when you get saved. All the plain Jane ugly stuff's on top. Jesus comes in and flips you upside down and all of a sudden the fruit begins to shine. And he makes something out of you. So that you become beautiful and the aroma begins to rise up. Man, that fresh cooked pineapple. Can you smell it, Tony? Uh-huh. Begins to rise up because that fruit shining in you. And all of a sudden somebody will look at your life and they'll say, something different about you now. I don't know what it is, but something different about you. Yeah? I got right with God through His Son Jesus. And I gave my life to Him. And He saved me and He forgave me. And I'm going to live for Him. Because if He could die for me, surely to goodness I can live for Him. The Antichrist. They're all around us. Might be a few of them in here right now. I don't believe so, but there could be.
You see, if you're not willing to follow the Lord and obey His Scriptures, then you are an antichrist. So quit looking for one individual rising up because I'm promising you they're all out there. And there's going to be a movement. But this great beast that's going to rise up in Revelation will be a multitude of people. And any time I look around our cities right now and see three, four 400,000 people that are supporting baby killers and murderers and baby burners, that you, if you could put a baby in an oven and turn it on and, and let it die, there's a place in hell for you so deep and so hot because there's nothing godly about you. Oh, I'm doing it in the name of Allah. No, you're not. Anybody that supports them is just as guilty as the ones that did it. Just as guilty as one. When you vote for somebody that's okay with some of these super left liberal ideas, you may not believe in them, but you did when you voted for them. I'm going to step on your toes. If you can't find somebody to vote for that's godly and will stand against them and stuff, then you're just as guilty as they are because you put them in office. And that's what's wrong with our government right now is we put a bunch of gun godly people that's okay just because they were a part of a certain party or a certain membership. That's wrong. You better find some things out about some individuals if we want to change these policies because parties change. They have changed through the years. Individuals change. What we accept changes. You need to make some adaptation there too and look and see what's going on in the world today because all of it changes. And I'm not pushing one side or the other because they, they all have got a bunch of mess in their life and need change. Look at the individual. Vote for the individual. Does he stand for godly things or does he stand for ungodly things? And I'm here to tell you, sometimes you don't have much of a choice. Sometimes we have to vote for the lesser of two evils, whoever that may be. So, so we just don't have, I promise you the past several elections, people I voted for in the primary never made it to the election. One of them was Huckabee. I wanted a Baptist preacher up there. I thought, boy, he'd be a good one. Nobody else agreed with me. I, I wanted some godly people up there. But he didn't make it. We need to learn that there's ungodliness all around us. It's going to always be here. We can't focus on it, but don't you become like them. You get yourself right with God and we'll be alright. Because that's the church that this place needs to be. Is a church that's trying its best to be like God Himself. Listen to His commandments. Obey in His commandments. Stand in on His Word and being bold in that, even if the world hates it. Last little story. Some of you are old enough to remember when the wall came tumbling down in Germany and Russia began to fall apart. There was a lot of persecution in the church during the days prior and even then. Uh, a group of Russian soldiers came to church. They came in with their, their AKs and all their weapons and they stood up and they said, 
I want everybody that's a real Christian to stay right here and because we're going to kill some people today. And everybody that's here and that's really not a Christian, you're free to go. Man, the hordes of people ran out of that church. A few individuals stayed right there. The preacher stayed there. And they, they looked at them after everybody was gone. They said, well, now we can worship because we've got true believers here. And they sat down there and worshiped. Because when it came down to laying their life on the line, they found out most people were not willing to die for Christ. Those soldiers were. And they wanted to be with some true believers. But the fear caused others to run. They found out they had no faith. They had no trust. Those that were willing to stay ended up being blessed because these people became their protectors for that church because they knew who they were. They said, we will watch over you in these days. So it can happen. If they kill you today and you're a born-again believer, what have they done? Sent you to the Father. You have nothing to lose. You're living in a world you hate. The next greatest thing, the greatest thing is to go be with the Father where we'll love where we'll be at. But don't be afraid to live for Him. Anybody can die for Him. But the hardest thing is to live day by day in a world that hates you. And that's what we've got to do. And stuff. Let's go to him in prayer. Thank him for just being who he is. Thank John for writing these words. Father, we're mere humans. We're flawed. We don't always know or do the right things, but I hope and pray that everyone here today is rising up every day seeking to do what's right, seeking to grow in their faith, learning to trust you more, learning to be obedient, but just walking with you every day. Father, I pray that your Spirit will continue to lead and guide and direct us as a church and as a body so that we can be a lighthouse to this world that we live in, that we will always stand on the truth and we'll never back down from that and we'll know the truth so we can separate the truth from the lie. That we will study that word and apply it to our lives and take stances against things that are wicked and evil. Father, use us day by day. Glorify yourself through us as we live for you. Bless these individuals here today in this coming week that they'll go out and be able to impact somebody's life in a very positive way through the sharing of their love for you and the sharing their love of your word to encourage and lift up. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Don't forget to bucket up here or the boots on the end, but y'all have a blessed week. Serve the Lord.
We thank you for listening to Bar None Cowboy Ministries in Omaha, Texas. We invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We are located on Highway 259 just south of the four-way in Omaha. You may also find us on Facebook or the web at barnonecowboyministries.com, a place where we don't care about your past but care about your future.